With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Everyone, we're live again. I'm so excited again. We're live at the International Christian Retail Show, CBA, from 9 to 11 o'clock, and we're ready to have another awesome guest to come on, author Susan Mead. And, uh, again, you my website, TotalTutor.net, for more information. Twitter, TotalTutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook. LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, TotalTutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus. And a lot of the live cutting room floor stuff will be changing up very, very soon. But when you go live, you never know what's going to happen. So I'm excited as I connect you right now, I'm excited to welcome the program author Susan Mead. Susan, thanks for calling, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. And I'm sure you're in, 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 uh, excited and enjoying so far Florida, aren't you? Absolutely, Neil, and I'm so honored to be invited to join you this morning. So thank you. Oh, I, I'm excited as well. Your book, again, Dance with Jesus, and in and, and a lot of ways as Christians, if we're not dancing with Jesus, if we're not having that intimate relationship with Jesus, we are missing out on one of the most important, exciting things every day, regardless of what you're doing. If I'm interviewing on radio or if I'm just cleaning up, I, I have Jesus with me. And it just kind of just changes my whole aspect in anything that happens in my life. And I'm sure that's the reason you wrote the book, Susan, am I correct? Absolutely, and I tell you what, Neil, the that literally came out of doing the Experiencing God workbook. It said, what does God want you to do right now? And I heard Sing My Love Song, and I laughed at God, and he said, use what's in your hand, and out that book came. So it was simply a little bit longer than the two lines provided in the workbook. <laughs> oh, definitely, and, 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 and so and what inspired you to write this book? Because, I mean, again, Dance of Jesus from Grief to Grace, because, again, we all deal with different sufferings and difficulties in our entire lives, and we go through these problems and circumstances, and it, and it leads us to specifically uh, that relationship, some, some aha moment where we find Christ. Everyone has that story. There's no, and luckily, they grew up in a family that's taught them that, but, yes, teaching is not finally believing. So tell us about that. Absolutely. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, went to church all the time, but I had a, two major pivotal moments. The first one, my sister, brilliant Ph.D. nurse, mother called and said Betty had done the unthinkable. She had bought a gun, Neil, and used it on herself. And oh. in that moment, you, you don't ever expect that call, but in that moment, I felt a physical caress across my heart. I heard out loud, out loud, I've got her. She's mine. And the peace that passes understanding permeated every single bit of my body. And never before since have I felt the hand of God, heard the audible voice, and felt that pervasive peace. And there are simply no earthly words to describe that heavenly experience. And how, I mean, so so were you, you grew up in a Christian home, as you said, but how did you, right. when, once that peace came to you, I mean, were, were you were you confused by it? Were you, or did you just have the sense that you wish everyone else would have that, that feeling that you just had at that point in time? I would love to live in that peace. I've never felt anything like it. And when they say the peace that passes understanding, or that's written in the Bible, it is so true because I knew there was no doubt where that touch came from, where that voice came from when that peace fell, because that combination of that exquisite peace and probably one of the more chaotic moments of my life, I knew, because I would have believed the words of the world, I'm sorry she's gone to hell, 
she's committed the unpardonable sin, whatever. I would have believed that. And God knew that I needed to hear from him. He, he can't lie. And he and, told me and, his and How did that change your life after that? Like your daily life, every day, how, how you wow. dealt with specific circumstances and situations. It pulled me closer into his word. If he loved me so much that he cared in that moment to reach down and, and physically touch me, and I know it doesn't happen for everybody, and I cannot explain why it did for me, but I needed to get to know him, Neil. So it pulled me closer and closer and closer into his word. And then about four years later, my older son called and said that my younger son had died that night. That is when, thank God, I had built an even stronger relationship with God because I had to flat lean totally into him and on him in that total devastating loss. Here's the thing. Yeah. Susan, yeah, Susan, that, that as I see in this world and I see as I try to live my uh, Christian life and live as a, as, a, as a disciple of Christ every day when I'm – is that when bad things happen to good people, either mm-hmm. they – the good person that is the good person says, why are these bad things happening to me? I did something wrong, which is a misconception. Right. And then also looking at the world of people that maybe aren't that believers and seems like they're having a smooth sailing life. What can you say <laughs> to those two people? I mean, I'm sure that's yeah. those conversations you'll have throughout this event. You'll be in uh, Florida. People will ask these questions yeah. to you. Yeah. Absolutely. And the reality is his ways are higher than ours. I don't know why. And I'm going to say that I don't have a clue, but he does. Exactly. You don't have a clue, and that's 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 how you're going to say the word. And and, and this is what the infallible thing we look in the scripture, we look in the Bible, yep. we look at yes. church teaching. We see that specifically, we have no idea if we do right. get to heaven, that right. what how much better it is than our lives right now, and that mm. all these riches and things that uh, are rewarded on this earth that people can get through doing the wrong things or for me, me, me and selfish reasons and to, 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 right. to cry over spilled milk, the sense of peace that you will have once you get to heaven, this is the point. This is such a short time on earth, and yes. and, and, and we lose our perspective. And I, I commend you, Susan, for not and for getting out to people, especially people dealing with grief, regardless of any grief to tell them right. there's much more. And there could be stuff on earth that could bring this. Because look at how many people, Susan, out there lose a loved one and they shut down their lives instead of moving forward. Yes. yes, and it's so easy to stay in that dark black spot, Neil. And for me, when I was looking at my own internal self and my own feet, I realized I was looking down. And I think that defeated foe is under our feet. Whose face was I looking at? I had to look to the Word of God and look up to see others who were making it as my example and latch on to God and hold a godly hand on this walk here so I could take that next step and step into His light and let it shine. And I think, Susan, you found it through grief. But however, God is giving us invitations to enter into His world every day. He threw the littlest trials. And yet, mm-hmm. so many people ignore his, his, his calling and say, I'm here for you. I will mm-hmm. be there for you. I will bring mm-hmm. you closer to you. just have to let go. And that's what you did with yep. let go. Yep. That's so true, Neil. And you're right. It doesn't matter what the loss or the brokenness is. He's there for our hope. And that's a beautiful place to be, isn't it? Standing in his hope. Exactly. Where you can wake up every day. Yeah, we know we have some tremendous tasks. If I told you, Susan, I'm radio for two hours, then I'm working, doing tutoring, consulting the rest of the day, then at home getting ready to plan a big birthday celebration July 4th, so my mind is on some cleaning the house, getting in order. I have five kids, by the way, Susan. Going through all these different things, if I'm not looking at the perspective of tackling all these tasks for God, then right. you will get that, that, that 
Satan will figure out a way to choke you out, right? And it happens even, I'm sure, in your daily life. You said you don't have that sense of peace all the time. You have to always kind of bring yourself to begin again, right? Yes. Yes. And it made me wonder whether he gave me a foretaste of heaven divine, you know? I believe you can have heaven on earth and choose God's will in everything. Yes. Absolutely. Bring it on down. That's a great place to be. I My uh, wife lost uh, her dad, and it's been a very troubling situation within, uh, about six, seven months ago. And it's very interesting to watch Greece looking at my wife, who mm-hmm. saw her father as this great figure. And now the biggest part of grief, wouldn't you say, is specifically you are not going to see that person until later. How do you counsel people, tell people that you can get through this and have that sense of peace? You know, Neil, I kind of—it's not biblical, but I just say he moved. I just don't know his zip code. You know, I will see that boy again. That's a promise that's in the Bible that we will be reunited in heaven. And do I miss him? Absolutely, every single day. But would I pull him away from the throne room of grace? No, because that's where I want to be when it's my time. Not today. I pray. And if it is, then so be it. But that's, you know, I'm not going to speed that up. The confirmation that we will be reunited in Christ. And that's a glorious moment I'm looking forward to. Can you believe it's the God's gift gave you the special gift, Susan? Yes. The nominee, not everyone gets it. They're, they're given this gift, yet they ignore it. And once mm. you feel this, and mm. we look at the lives of the saints, Susan, and, and this is very interesting to look at, is the people that have modeled Christ in their lives from, you know, from, you know certain types of saints, saintly people. And literally what they've chosen in their lives is that regardless of what happens to them, good, bad, or different, they give thanks to God. Once you get to that point, regardless of what happens to you in life, you're giving thanks to God. Because we know the story doesn't end here. It ends in heaven. And I think that that's the perspective of this entire conference of giving, right? That we are here as disciples of Christ to lead others to heaven. Yes, sir. I couldn't agree more more with you. Did you ever think you'd be placed in this position with writing this book? That you are now (laughs) the beacon of hope for people? Did you ever think you'd be a writer and all that stuff? Yeah, well, I spent my career with Johnson and Johnson, and, and and no, but I retired at 55, and God put that experiencing God workbook in my hand, and that pulled Dance with Jesus out, and I now know why He has me where I am because others need to hear that story of hope. I'm God, or she's mine. He said that story's not just for you. People need to hear my truth and have hope. Because suicide is far too rampant. They, you know, the when we lost Kyle, I literally saw him in a dream dancing with Jesus. Oh, that's a beautiful oh, promise if ever I had one. You know? Yeah. So definitely. that's where I take my joy. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And, 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 I, and I see what you're talking about in so many ways that, that uh, I mean, suicide in general. Think of kids committing suicide, Susan. Think of uh, how that how how people respond to specifically that they did this and how they mm. feel. And, right. I mean, I, I so think broken. of it all the time. I, I think of it. I think of it all the time. And how do parents deal with this? And how do they change their whole perspective after this happens, Susan? You know, thank God my son didn't commit suicide, but my sister did. But I tell you what, my mother has to deal with that all the time. And at 91, she is a bright spot and just shines for the joy of Jesus. But it took her a little while to get through that as well. And I think it's healthy when we do not understand. Because if we do understand why they're so broken that they could commit suicide, I'd be worried. I'd be worried about them. You know, that's. I think that's just the grace of God is is here to shine that light that there is hope. And if if we turn to him and let him 
do the healing and hold our hand and walk with us, that's where our joy and our delight is going to be found. And the people that do do this, they're at wit's end. They've they've snapped in some sort of way. They don't see any hope at all in existence, and right. they just they decide this is it. This right. is, I I am and guess what? Then it's between God and them the decision they make. And if at yep. the point that they snapped to the point where they did not do this on free will, they did this basically right. based on. That's where people have to look at things. I, I, when I hear about suicide as a uh, – that's it. They're, they're, they're eternal damnation for them. And I say, no, that's not the case at all because ultimately you and I sitting down right now, could we – if we decided without even thinking, you know, what, without even thinking that I'm going to commit suicide, Susan, and not yeah. think of the consequence – and think of the consequence. They could be rationalized what it will mean to our family members and everyone. I don't think many right. people are going to do it. I think that those circumstances are gone once they've done that. They haven't thought of everything because that's when our free will really comes into place making a decision. But if we can't think these things and these thoughts over and over again, that's where we have to be the beacon to understand once people are snapped and lose it, we have to pray for them. For the, for, and for the family, but we have to understand that this was not something of free will. This was something that just built up over time, right? Absolutely. And I looked on Bible Gateway in every English translation of the Bible, 52 or 54, I forgot, versions of the Bible, and pulled up suicide. And in not one of those did it say the individual went to hell, not one. It talked about suicide, but it did not say a one of them went to hell. And it, there's only one unpardonable sin, and that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Yeah. That actually is a, a comfort because who am I to tell God what he can or cannot do? Not my job. Do you think some people that read this book, not just about suicide, but also about losing a loved one, can take from this too? And take from dancing Absolutely. with Jesus and others? Yeah. Absolutely, because grief expresses itself through the loss of a person, a pet, a body part, a relationship, a house, a job. Yeah. Grief expresses itself so many different ways. And literally in the book, at the end of each chapter, I turn the spotlight from my story onto the reader. I wrote them in so that, and started asking reflective questions so they had a moment to be still with God and let him speak to them and do some revelation Work so they would see. Oh, oh, that was God. Oh, that those aha moments where He gets closer to them and they get closer to Him because it says when we seek Him, we'll find Him. Mm-hmm. I agree, and I think that that is probably the hardest thing for us to look at as as Christians. Once we mm-hmm. lose that loved one or that pet or whatever we lose, yeah. uh, that's it, that that has that growing attachment. That's that's uh, that's that's a living being. We just don't understand how to deal with it. And right. death is not supposed to be a sad time, Susan. That no. if we are Christians and we are, are 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 made of Christ and being living Christ in our lives, we don't yeah. have to fear death. No, that's actually. Absolutely. The last story is my sister-in-law who died of cancer, and in the moment of her death, this woman who couldn't move and was an ashy gray, her face turned a soft yellow, and that light lit up the entire room, and she pivoted from her hips with her arms outstretched to heaven, and we saw the light of God in that moment. It's the most beautiful moment I've ever seen on this earth, and that death was magnificently glorious. That's hope. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's hope. That's hope. It, it, it gives you that purpose and everything mm-hmm. in so many ways. So what are you hoping to accomplish at uh, the events today, the today and tomorrow days you're here? Who, um, are you doing any talks at the event? Uh, are you going to be uh, at, at, at what, what are, what are your plans? I know a lot of media uh, conversations you'll have, but tell us specifically what you're going to be doing there. I, the tomorrow I've got a book signing at the spring Arbor Ingram booth. 
so my my goal is to get the books out to bookstores and stuff so that they become aware. And my prayer is simply that God, every hand he intends it to be in, not my will, but his will, because I'd like to say a huge number, but you know what? This is his book. It has his name on it. And this is for him to open doors that I can't open, but he can, and where he can put it where he wants it to be and in the hand of the person that he wants to read it. That's my prayer, Neil. Oh, that's that. And that'll be my prayer as well. Because, I mean, dealing with grief, now, I'm sure at that book signing, there's going to be some tears, aren't there, Because people are going to, when you're talking to your fans and they're signing those books, they're going to talk about specifically grief that they've dealt with. And that's going to bring emotions, but also an amazing, just how many people you're going to meet in that book signing season. You're thinking of the enormous amount of people and to really be able to touch their lives in some way or give some sort of sense of hope when you talk to them. What what an amazing thing is going to happen tomorrow. Powerful as can be, for sure. Uh, I love it, and I pray it's just exactly as God wants it to be, and I don't try to push and shove and get in front of him and in his way. (laughs) So, Susan, what do you currently do, the book and anything else for our listeners out there that need to know a little bit more of your background and stuff? I'm a medical technologist who spent my career at Johnson & Johnson. My husband and I have an AdvoCare business, so that's how we pay for for things is with our AdvoCare business. And on the Dance with Jesus side, if they go to dancewithjesus.com, Neil, they can see the five-step challenge, and I invite them to take the challenge. And just it's five prayers, five days of prayers, just one little step closer to God. I'd love them to do that. Do you see yourself, Susan, writing uh, more books after this? Do you uh, yes, have another sir. book in the, in, the, in the works? Can you share a little bit, or are you not allowed to share yet? Well, you know what? I'm at the point where God's dumping in a bunch of stuff, and I've got to figure out exactly the path he wants to go. But, yeah, there's more. And I blog every week at SusanBMead.com. So today the blog went up of my experience of the eyewitness to the Boston bombing terror. Go see. There's pictures there that I took. You can see the perspective. Oh, my. And uh, and, and, and we have to have hope even at the most difficult times in our lives, right, Susan? Especially dancing with Jesus and not just about grief, but everything else as well, because we can all, as Christians, feel pretty uh, down in despair on basic situations that are happening in our society today, and we just have to keep moving forward knowing that Christ is right next to us. Yes, sir. It's about the grace of God. That's the whole purpose of that book. He loves us, and he wants us to know it. All right. Well, fantastic, Susan. Again, the website one more time, and uh, and, and best luck to you with all the other stuff. And what's the best place we can find info again? Dancewithjesus.com. Take the five-step challenge, and I blog at SusanBMead.com. But take that five-step challenge at Dancewithjesus.com. Well, Susan, absolutely a tremendous uh, story of faith and a tremendous what you're trying to bring to others about the grief process and how to overcome the grief process and to develop a closer relationship with Christ. People need to definitely pick up the book, and I will pray that this event, these days, will be a tremendous help to getting your message out there. So thanks again for calling, Susan. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience. All right. God bless. Take care now. All right. Thanks again. That was Author's Corner with Susan Mead. Really a, a fun interview. Again, my website, net. Very powerful. Very powerful. Got one more interview today. Uh, I will be back again on live at 1030. Take care. And, Sue, do I have you on the line? Sue. I sure am. How are you? Fantastic, Sue. Thanks for coming on the show. You're live. Uh, we're live today, and I, I know you're having a blast at the International Christian Retail Show. Tell us specifically what what some of the experiences have been so far for you at the event. <laughs> well, we're just getting going, but one of the things I love about the International Christian Retail Show is the divine appointments that you have where you're walking in through a door and you end up being connected with exactly the right people. And 
I love that part. I love how the Holy Spirit orchestrates um, our everyday lives. It truly does. And it's so amazing to have people in the same belief system that are trying to live their life in a specific way and have read your books and are fans of yours mm-hmm. or are authors mm-hmm. that want to go ahead and learn how did you do this, Sue? And, 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 and that's <laughs> the thing about this, this event is that you have retailers, but you also have people that are, want, are considering uh, becoming as successful authors yourself there to learn from you and uh, the workshops and everything just so that ultimately what the goal is to get your message out to the world and the masses it is. about it especially is. your message of the nine traits of a life-giving marriage. And uh, I was mentioning some stuff when I started on live, and I talked about the whole process of uh, a marriage is definitely you have to take a lot of your selfish tendencies and leave them at the door when you start when you get married. Am I correct? <laughs> yes, I think the problem often is is that we try to we try to remake our spouse in our own image. You know, when we come to a point of conflict in a marriage and we think that our spouse should be doing this and this and this. And I know that one of the breakthroughs that I had in my life was when I was in a temper tantrum, you might say, talking to God, complaining to him about all of the things about my husband that I didn't like. And as I sat before the Lord and listened, I really, I was surprised by his response. I thought that if I prayed about these things, God would surely agree. And he spoke to my heart and he said, you know, you're trying to remake your marriage, your husband into your own image. Let me show you how I had made him to be. You know, and when we're attracted to our spouse, often we're attracted to the very things that years later in a marriage we are frustrated about. Uh, have you noticed that? Yes, oh, absolutely. I think I look at it in my marriage, it'll be 15 years on July 1st, so Wednesday, and I've learned so much. I've learned specifically uh, how much uh, some of the selfish tendencies of starting in the marriage. We have five children. I know you have six, and so we'll talk about that as well, <laughs> and how that brings the, the the absolute chaotic life that we're going through. You know what I mean? It's like it's a, it's an amazing journey, but yet a lot of our tendencies, we, again, we just think, oh, I want to change myself to this. Oh, ask things in a specific certain order. I, I want to change my, you know, all, all uh, come to play, mm-hmm. and it just, it just, and it just doesn't work out. It doesn't work out, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I do. So, what, what are recommendations? I'm sure in your book as well uh, about how we t- kind of take some of the stuff off the back burner, take take uh, uh, some of the particular uh, things that we think about in a marriage and, and, and kind of really not stop trying to change people. Tell us about that. for Sure. Well, you know, I list out nine traits of a life giving marriage and part of the, the title of what I'm trying to get across is that true life comes from being connected to God. He's the life giver. And when we're connected, that life flows through us. And the first trait that I talk about is acceptance. And when I think about, you were saying earlier about selfishness, acceptance is, is coming to a point of you're not acquiescing, of saying, okay, I'm just going to have a so-so marriage. But you are accepting your spouse the way that God has made him or her to be. And that is huge. Because God's the creator. He's the life giver. And when you begin to honor your spouse the way that God's made them, and I think one of the ways that you do practically in this is that you speak positively. You know, after that encounter I had where I was face down before the Lord, he gave me some very specific instructions that I wrote down in my prayer journal. And one of them it was that I was to look 
at my husband as a man of God, to value who he was, and that every time I talked about him in public to other people, that I was speaking respectfully, I was honoring, and you know, when you respect someone else in your language and you speak positively, it's an amazing thing how what that does in a person when they feel affirmed, when they feel supported, when they feel valued, that itself can help turn a marriage around if it's been on a crazy cycle onto a positive cycle that's life-giving for both partners. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and that's so important, the respect that we give that other spouse. One of the yes. things I, 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 in, in teaching is understanding is once we become married, we become one. It's no longer one, one person. And like it's not my, my, all my needs or my wife's needs. We become one, so we have to together uh, go through our life, our life journey. It can't be we just think of ourselves. And, so, and, and by, by right. looking at and respecting that person, so things get, uh, end up working out better in my opinion you know and and, and yes. really you're really yes. kind of when there's an argument or a fight you're not wanting to go because we're going to have arguments and fights it doesn't matter if we're god loving people or not we're going to have disagreements but it's how we take those disagreements further are we going to just get at this point where we give up on everything or are we going to be willing to forgive and forget and move Yes, forward. That's the key because we're never always going to get along. And if we have tendencies that, you know, really get under each other's skin when it comes to marriage, I mean, to, to that spouse, then guess what? It just it is what it is, isn't it? It sure is. And I think what what you're talking about, that conflict that we come to, we can, we have a choice when we stand before that door, you know, We can open the door to the enemy where that conflict becomes this downward spiraling cycle where all you can think about is negative things about your spouse or how much they should change. Or you can open the door to intimacy where you're really opening the door up to the Holy Spirit instructing you in in the quiet places of your heart. I remember one time when we were heading into an argument, and I don't even remember what the argument was about, but I do remember the simple words I heard the Holy Spirit say in my heart, and it was simply this, not another word. And, you know, I heard that voice, but I, I wanted to say about four more words. You wanted that, to act on it because you wanted to act on what your mindset because you wanted to get your way because as, as we are raised in life. Point across. Yes. And we you, want to get our way, and if we don't get our way, we pout and go home. So we still are children in so many aspects in life, right? I know, and you can just say those four more words, and those are the words that are like the gasoline. You know, those are the things that take a fight, and it becomes a full-blown war. You know, there are times that we have to stop. You know, and one thing, learn from your mistakes, because if you're married and you're listening to this program, you've probably already done that. But let's turn it around. What are the times that it is a blessing to overlook an offense? You know, it's a blessing to be able to forgive and move on and stop being so petty about exactly. our spouse. Definitely, absolutely. So, and that's that's the exciting uh, the exciting part of this whole thing, uh, Sue, is that finally we let ourselves be bothered by so many different things in a marriage. From oh, I don't want my spouse to go through this. this is, we don't agree on this. But then also say, I'm going to sit down and watch this TV show with my wife. Or I'm going to go think with my husband. I really don't like. That's part of the self-giving process of Christian marriage, correct? So because if you don't do that, how do you connect in, in this bond and understand that we're willing to do 
other things. You, you know. Yes. We're, we're, we're willing. Uh, we're willing to uh, go through this process, but we're willing to do anything for our spouse, and that means put our life on the line for our spouse. Being willing to mm-hmm. do things that we really don't like, just so that the relationship's great. Because when we talk about children, Sue, six for you, five for me. If they see a friction marriage that's a lot of problems and arguments all the time, that's what they're going to bring to the table when they grow up. That's the decisions they're going to make, correct? It is. You know, and the second trait that I talk about is friendship. I mean, that may seem so simple that you want to be, you know, you want your spouse to be your best friend. You want your spouse to be the person that that you talk to. And and in that, it does require us doing things together. And, you know, when we were dating, that's what you would do. If you didn't really like a ball game, you go to the ball game. <laughs> if you didn't really yeah. like shopping, you went shopping with the other person. But once and, you got married, change sometimes. <laughs> and it shouldn't change. Go back. No, it shouldn't. If you're, if you're in a marriage that's not working, go back and begin doing things together that you did when you were dating. Exactly. Well, it's amazing, Sue, that we'd have to talk for a lot longer to get through all the traits for sure, and that's why people have to pick up the book. And you're going to get to go and enjoy Florida for a couple more days talking to people and talk about things. But I think what, Sue, you're trying to bring up is, guess what, our marriage wasn't perfect at first. We learned from our process. We worked through our mistakes, and we're still learning today. And if you don't go out and do that and are not willing to learn, Forget about it. It's over. The marriage is not going to last because there'll, there'll be nothing but fighting and bickering. And I think that that's one of the things all everyone needs to be alike and maybe the same and everything. That doesn't spice the marriage up. That doesn't make it a situation because uh, children need to see differing opinions. Children need to see specific uh, different <laughs> traits yes. so that they don't become yes. robotic. The husband might have some ideas and the wife might have, but together they're a team and that's the best thing. So where's the best place we can purchase your book and learn more about you? Where can we go? Well, you can go to my website right now, suedetweiler.com, Sue, D-E-T-W-E-I-L-E-R, and uh, just click on one of my blogs and you'll be able to download uh, the introduction, the first chapter right now. Uh, and then the book comes out officially October 2nd, and it will be in bookstores, online. Um, and so let's get connected now. And I am blogging consistently about marriage. And as as let your listeners know, I also love to interact on social media. I'm on Twitter. You can find me at SueDatweiler.com, and I really interact with people. So... I want to make a difference in people's lives, namely by being a signpost to Jesus Christ, who is the life giver and can transform your relationships um, through his power. Well, Sue, it was great talking to you. Best of luck. We'll definitely stay in touch. I I followed you on Twitter, and I also tweeted you out already. So when it airs on communication across the country this week, you'll see the tweets tomorrow as well. We're live right now, but I'm going to get it out to syndication tomorrow, and uh, everyone will hear about your great book coming out in October. So thanks again for calling, and best of luck. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Sue. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. That was Sue Detweiler. And uh, hi, everyone. We're live at the International Christian Retail Show. Again, my website, toldtutor.net, for more information. Where told to her. Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus, Neil Haley. And uh, excited about uh, our guest that's about to dial in the line, Kevin Johnson. And uh, we're waiting on him to call in. Very, very fun day uh, of conversations and talking to very interesting authors. Tomorrow we should be as well. So I'm about to bring on the line. And here we go. Just one second. I'm about to uh, your live Kevin Johnson, author Kevin Johnson. Kevin, thanks for calling. And uh, how are you enjoying the International Christian Retail Show so far? 
So far, so good. I always enjoy it. This is uh, probably my fifth or sixth year attending. I thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to meet and greet folks, uh, fellow authors, all of the exhibitors, the industry professionals. It's always a wonderful event, and I always encourage and, and inspire all of our other authors to always come out to participate because you meet people from 55 countries from around the world. It's absolutely awesome. Yes, and it's very interesting. Again, you're a best-selling author. Give God the Glory, the series of books and devotionals. So you like this whole process because you get to con connect with distributors, but also you get to connect with prospective authors that have that ultimate goal of bringing the message of Christ to the world. So it's just such a great place to have like-minded people to meet and talk and discuss about what you're doing, right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we are uh, commanded by our Heavenly Father to preach and teach the gospel throughout the world and communicate the very simple message of making this world a much better place through his word. And this is a great place. You get to meet so many people under one roof, and you accomplish so much. Uh, it's a very reasonable price. Uh, you get a chance to visit upwards of 500 exhibitors, major publishers, industry executives, other authors. And uh, if you happen to be down and you want to pick up, this is the place to be. <laughs> well, I definitely, what do you think is your favorite part when you attend this event? Doing, what do you think? My favorite, is, yeah, my, my, my favorite part, I think I just articulated it. Under one roof, you, you have an opportunity to meet and greet and fellowship uh, so many people uh, at one time. So within an eight hour period, I can probably come in contact with more people at this event in one day than I would in going to five or six different events throughout the year because That's not great. only people here in the United States but across the globe, like I said, 55 different countries are represented. So you get a chance to meet bookstore owners, uh, people that shake and bake in the industry, uh, et cetera, et cetera, all at the same time. So it's really phenomenal. Plus there's good singing, opportunity to pray, uh, there's good food. Uh, and technology is being introduced. Uh, you'd better understand audiobooks, ebooks, uh, the whole gamut from A to Z with the general and Christian publishing industry. So it's definitely worth the investment. You see, you're great saying that, Kevin, but I was trying to narrow it down to one part of it, not the entire thing or the eight hours. What would you say is your favorite thing? You, you, I guess the meet and greet, I guess the book signings are fun too for you, right? If you're talking oh, about yeah. book, one part of it, not the entire thing, then we'll get into your books. I think probably meeting with your fans, people that are yeah. book signings that have purchased your book and get this, find out what they got out of your books and how they, uh, how it's changed and transformed their lives. That's, if you, would you say that you focus out probably your most favorite part of it? Of the eight hours? Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's right up there. It it is up there, very high. It, it's always a great thing to meet your customers, your readers face to face. You can shake their hand, and you better understand who that email came from because now you can put the face to the name. Uh, but equally important to me, uh, just to me, Kevin Johnson, is just the opportunity to be here amongst so many people that you know and new people that you get a chance to meet. It's it's right up there. Oh. Because that's, a, that's what our job as Christians is for discipleship and to meet and greet and talk to people and, and, and really get them motivated and excited about going out and telling the whole world, as you said, all those countries that are here. That's, that means, Kevin, your books are not just in the United States. They're all over the world, and that's got to blow you away, doesn't it? The power of God and yeah. the power of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm with a great distributor who helps me to distribute the books for all over the world, uh, and the relationships that we formed uh, has been really phenomenal. And quite frankly, I would say in part it's because I come to this event every year. Well, just about every year, not every year, but uh, I've been here so many times where you have those relationships, once they're forged and people become familiar with you and comfortable with you, that they want to do business with you, and then the readers want to purchase your books, and they want a chance to see you, and they want you to sign them. So it's, it's, a, it's a circle. It all starts with our attendance and then staying in touch, expanding our network, having the fellowship, and, and just joining like-minded saints to communicate the simple gospel message, and that's the unconditional love that God has for all of his people. And then when you talk about give God the glory, 
that means it's not about you, Kevin. It's about God and God, what God has touched your life to transform others, that everything we should give God's glory, right? It's not, we shouldn't be proclaiming ourselves. We shouldn't be proclaiming what we have done, but what have God has given to us. Absolutely. And we focus on five key areas through this book series. We focus on relationships because that's very important. We focus on the workplace. How do we give God the glory when we go to work every day? Uh, Within the family unit, how do we give God the glory within the family? Uh, Giving God the glory in the local church and then giving him glory even while we're at rest and relaxation. In other words, putting him first and foremost in our lives Um, And then everything else his word teaches us in the book of Matthew, chapter number six, uh, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we need in life to sustain us shall be added unto us. And that's the very simple message that's embedded in all of the Give God the Glory books. All right. So this is about Give God the Glory in the work. That's probably one that, uh, Kevin, is harder to get people, you know, the church or relationships, daily work. Is that, that, I'm sure that book really brings a lot of conversation to your series, doesn't it? How can I, oh, yeah. whatever, whatever job I'm doing, give glory to God where I'm not worshiping, right? It's a, it's a different Absolutely. thing, it's a different perspective. Give me a couple of those points for sure. To- totally different perspective because in society, we are not taught servant leadership as Jesus teaches us in his word. And so, for example, as an executive and as a manager and as a supervisor, uh, that authority is ordained by God in the workplace. And my responsibility is to help and to inspire and motivate my employees to be the best that they can be. If somebody is not really holding up their end and they're not really performing based upon the performance objectives that are before them, I I don't demean them and demand that they get the work done, uh, we, we forge relationships, and I coach and I mentor based upon the Word of God to help them to get to where I already know they have the potential to be. That's the big difference. So we don't teach that in our business schools, uh, in our institutions of higher learning. No. Uh, for the most part, we demand and we dictate and we threaten, and that does not work. God does not teach us to manage and to coach and mentor people under our authority that way. He teaches us to love them uh, and to give them comfort and give them the training and the tools they need to be all they can be so that when you move on, that person can now take your position. And so that's the challenge that we have in the workplace because we're teaching the Word of God in terms of how to manage and lead people, but our society teaches the exact opposite. So that's where the conflict comes. And so that's what we teach in our seminars and in our workshops, and then even when I'm preaching the Word on Sunday mornings, uh, that's the difference between what people actually experience at work and what they ought to experience at work. And so this is the conversation that goes on and on and on. And ultimately, God's Word always wins because when you treat people the way that God is teaching us to treat people, it works. And if it works, then we we can continue to duplicate it. Absolutely. And, Kevin, when I think about what you said about work and, and how you're giving the principles for them to have success and, and, demand, and demand in a Christian aspect, I want you to perform well. If we Christians can perform to our greatest levels and not waste time at work, not understand it's God's time, and really do our very best as a society, we would be doing much better. If we knew that we have been given special gifts and talents that we need to use to do the work at our greatest, to, with our best effort possible. Imagine how our society would be transformed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it all starts at home. I, I have three sons, and I, I tell my wife and my boys, it all starts at home, and I can teach them at home what God teaches me. And now they can go out and they can replicate and they can duplicate and make the world a much better place. So if we, we, if we would all just start in our homes, uh, this Absolutely. world would become a much, much better place. So thinking about the family, how important it is as a, as a husband and wife to really uh, uh, cultivate that the, the children understand what it is to be a Christian and to have a Christian home and have a happy, cheerful home. Because that's key, Kevin, 
to to look at specifically and not going out and being successful in the workplace. So you believe that that the, the domestic church, the home, is such an important part of uh, of growing our society. We have to raise our kids to be uh, thoughtful cr- Christians, uh, loving Christians, servants of Christ, and we're not teaching them that. Then they go out to the world, and then that's when, like you said, the the conflict starts and everything else, for sure. The home is so important. Yep. Absolutely, because that's where they see that natural example, and we can make God clear and visible to them based upon our actions, our mannerisms, and making sure that we are walking consistent with our talk. So it all starts right there. And the way we react, the way as parents we react is the way our kids are going to react. We have to understand that it's like they have a notebook when they're born. And I'm sure when you're Absolutely. at the workshops telling them, if we're going to blow off the handle because of what happened with uh, with our wife or, or our, our work or certain things, the kids are going to do the same thing because it's, it's we're the role model. We're the, one, we're the example for sure. We're going to make mistakes, but we need to go back to our kids and say, that was re- we really made a mistake ourselves. We really shouldn't have done that, and we uh, hope you forgive us for getting angry, but this is not the proper way to act, and I'm going to try better next time. Because the humility part as a husband and wife is important for the children as well. Yep, you're, you're spot on. They're, they're, they're watching. You may not say anything, but they're definitely watching. All right, well, so I guess, uh, Kevin, what is the uh, ultimate, you have this huge series of books and things like that, anything new with Kevin Johnson that you can update us before uh, you move on to enjoy yourself at the the, the rest of the, the International Christian Retail Show? Well, we're up to uh, book number nine in the series, uh, just about to celebrate 15 years in the publishing industry. Uh, I, I believe that once God gives you an assignment, you are to stick with it and, and to not quit, no matter how tough, no matter how tough it might get. And uh, you know, again, we're here to learn. There is always new and exciting and innovative strategies and techniques that we can apply to our craft and to our writing. Uh, to make it even more interesting and educational for our readers. So we do have a couple of more books that will be coming out in the series. They will be released over the next year or two. I don't have an exact publication date. But the exact same title, and each one has a slightly different subtitle. Uh, Like I said, the books are available everywhere that books are sold. Uh, Our website is writingforthelord.com. And I'm also a contributing author to a number of different books as well, uh, we have a new one coming out this year, 2015, called Take Action Now, and there are a number of us who are coaches, uh, and we just teach success techniques. And, and my chapter is chapter number seven, and it's simply titled Walk by Faith. And, and I take people through the faith walk that the Lord has taken me through over a number of years as it relates to being a husband and a father, uh, as it relates to being an executive in the workplace, as it relates to being a pastor, and relates to being a Christian author as well. I kind of tie everything into one, and it's simply titled Walk by Faith, and it's to encourage other people to let them know that they can have success, but they have to make sure they're tied to the source, and the source is our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. And so that will be coming out later on this year, 2015. It's titled Take Action Now, and the Give God the Glory book series will continue to sell and and do different things as I travel across the country and I make those books available uh, to new and exciting audiences. Well, I tell you, everyone that's able to, especially at your church, must be blessed to have such a very exciting uh, person, pastor, to bring the, the message of God to the masses and being able to tell the stories of helping the entire international Christian community can be disciples of Christ. So thanks again for calling, Kevin. Best of luck to you, and enjoy the rest of the event, okay? All right. Thank you so much. All right. Take care now. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. That was, again, Author's Corner. We'll be on live again tomorrow at the International Christian Retail Show. Thanks again for calling and listening, and we'll be airing this uh, throughout the week. Good day, everyone. 
Hi, this is June 29th. We're at beautiful downtown, uh, well, not downtown Orlando, but we're at the Orange County Convention Center. I'm with James Pittman, CLC Book Centers. He's the director. Uh, Jim, good morning. Good morning. Nice to be with you today. Nice to be with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, uh, yourself and how you got connected with CLC. Well, I grew up uh, down in Bolivia, South America. My parents were missionaries down there with Wycliffe Bible Translators. So I kind of grew up with literature in my blood, if you will. Uh, my wife and I felt called to missions from pretty early on. And uh, we joined CLC. We found out it was a mission organization that worked with Christian books, had about 180 Christian bookstores around the world, published in about 25 languages, and had a similar passion for us, which was to get out the gospel to the people who need it most, the lost, and to disciple them, to help them grow in Christ. So that was kind of our passion. We found that really connected well with CLC and what they did. Uh, very good. So uh, you come from a missionary background. It's you know grown up with it. It's in your blood, and you are out there still spreading the word uh, daily through uh, your mission. Uh, tell us about uh, CLC Book Centers out of uh, oh you're in Fort Washington over there, uh, Philly area. Tell us about that. That's right. Yeah, we have our, our U.S. headquarters in Philadelphia, just to the north side of Philly. Our international headquarters are over in the U.K. So we. Um, we work, like I said, in about, in about uh, 60 countries, I guess, around the world. But this area, what we work with primarily is with maybe five Christian bookstores. We focus on the inner cities. So a lot of bookstores that may be out in the suburbs or something like that, we've just chosen to target the areas that seem to really be desperate for the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we just see a lot of crime, you know, in the big cities and just a lot of struggle. You know, we hear about the stuff in Baltimore. And, uh, stuff recently in, in Charleston and so there's a nation that's crying out people that are crying out and I think more and more what we're seeing is that God's Word is just so desperately needed and we're seeing that our Christian bookstores is really uh, an outpost of the gospel in places where they really need it so that's kind of where we're focused with our bookstores Okay, other than the print media, is there any other uh, media that you are involved in uh, for those that may not want to pick up a book? Well, of course we have ebooks and all of that. Okay. We publish uh, ebooks and on all the different platforms. Uh, but we primarily work with that. In our bookstores, we carry Christian gifts and music and all of that. Um, but definitely what CLC is known for around the world is literature. Literature. Yeah. Uh, you say you're in the publishing end also. Any uh, new books that you're revealing here at the show? Yeah, we have um, some, uh, some really neat ones. One is a book called Jesus Life by Larry Smith. Uh, he's a local Philly guy. He works at a church called Epiphany. Uh, his uh, co-pastor um, published a book called Restoring Manhood just, just this last year, which has really done great. Um, this book we're really, is one we're really excited about. It's called Jesus Life by Larry Smith. Um, the idea of how do we live for Christ in this world that seems so disconnected from him now, in this culture that seems so disconnected. So it's how do we connect Jesus and his life and ministry into our culture. Okay. Uh, will, uh, will Larry be here? Larry's not going to be here at the show. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have you talk to him sometime if you wanted. Okay, we can maybe arrange that through a long-distance uh, hookup. Yep. We'll be looking forward to that. Anything else you'd like to say, Jim? Well, we have a lot of really good books in here. Um, one that I would just say this really people are looking at a lot is this book over here called Stop Complaining, um, or Stop Your Complaining. And just the idea of how do we move from grumbling, and it can be related to our culture, when we look at something like what happened just recently in this, with the Supreme Court decision, that could be discouraging to you. Or you could look and say, hey, you know what? We're serving the same God today that we served last week, and he wasn't surprised. So how do I move from grumbling about something to gratitude and saying, okay, what is God going to do in this situation, in this difficult situation in my life, in this difficult situation in my church, in my family, in my country? How do I move from grumbling to gratitude? Very good point. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, 
perhaps good reading for about 99.9% of the population. You may be excluded. <laughs> no, I'm not excluded from that one. <laughs> Definitely not. Hey, well, thank you very much, James, and uh, all the best to you, and you have a great show here in Orlando, and looking forward to speaking or, you know, emailing or making contact with you in the future. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.